The church is new, the congregation is new, even the pastor is new. So we begin a new series, for real. This is new. And it's entitled, It's Time. It's about time. And I'm excited about this. Friends, it's about time. It's time for many things, as Jack was mentioning. Now this time, on, I actually just has been cooking in me for a while, for a while. First for me, because it's been about time for something like this to happen. And some of you who have known me for a little bit, like my friend Patrick here, knows that we've been planting this church for so long. So it's about time we actually planted it. About time for many things. This year, I would say that today, rather, is the 47th church plant of Nairobi Chapel. There are 47 counties, and we are the 47th church. It's about time you celebrate that. Yeah, 47. Because the 46th one is in Utawala, happening right now, the new one, also in Utawala today. But I want a fresh beginning for myself. I want a fresh beginning. It's about time my connection with God was fresher than it was last year. So it's about time I got closer to God. And I hope it's about time you two got closer to God. Actually, for me, it's about time I went back to the basics of my faith. It's about time. Because I've been going around about that journey, trying this and that. I've changed my devotional materials for so long. I've changed my prayer style for so long. And I'm saying it's about time I got connection with God afresh this new year. So it's about time for many things. It's about time that I, I, I got to be hearing God speak a lot more than I had him last year. It's about time. It's about time my heart warmed up to the voice of God afresh. So it's about time for many things. Actually, it's about time my marriage reflected my passions for, for who God is as well. So it's about time. It's about time for many things. But to help us, because I'm excited, I might actually miss it, to help us reflect on this, there's a text, actually, about that theme. So please, turn your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 20, because that's where I want to dwell. And actually, it's be a, verse, a portion of Scripture for the whole month. We'll, we're taking it just a portion at a time. But this morning, we begin from verse 17. Acts 20 and verse 17. And if you haven't opened your text yet, it's on the screen as well. So allow me to read for us. From Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. When they arrived, he said to them, You know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and the Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now the text where we're going to be focusing attention this morning, verse 22 and 23. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit wants me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So we begin our series right from there this morning. And it's, it's time for many things, but this morning in particular, I want you to focus your attention on the fact that it's time to obey the Holy Spirit one more time. Praise the name of the Lord. It's time to obey the Holy Spirit one more time. Paul, in this text, is saying he's compelled by the Spirit, verse 22. He's compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And he's saying he's not so sure 
What awaits him over there? Except that the Holy Spirit is warning him, there's prison on one hand, there's hardship on the other. But he's saying, my heart feels compelled by the Spirit. I have to go to Jerusalem. And if you're a Bible student, you know that Paul not only went to Jerusalem, but actually faced hardship and prison right there. But on the journey before he set off, he was warned by the Spirit. But the same Spirit compelled him to go. Almost like an oxymoron. That you're warned, but then you're compelled to go. But believe you me, Paul said, yes, I hear the voice of the Spirit. I must go to Jerusalem. But on the one hand, I know the Holy Spirit is warning me there'll be hardship and prison. This is where I want to focus our attention this morning. Obeying the Holy Spirit one more time. To be compelled by the Spirit, as Paul was saying, means many things. And I think I can bring it down to several things. To be compelled may mean something like you're obliged. You are commanded. You are mandated. You are driven, pushed to go. You are constrained to go there. You're bound by the Spirit to do what he's telling you to do. And Paul is saying in this sense, then, I am commanded by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. In fact, I like the command part of this version. I'm commanded by the Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, when the Holy Spirit speaks, he actually also commands. You know, of the Trinity, we know God the Father, oh, loving Father, loving, loving Father. We know about Jesus Christ, oh, the one who died for you and for me. But the Holy Spirit, his voice always like soft and humble. Still small voice. But in that still small voice, there are commands as well. So Paul is saying he's been commanded. It's a reducible, irreducible minimum. You've got to do it now and not later. So it's about time, ladies and gentlemen, to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit because it's a command. You know, sometimes as a, as a pessimist, when the Holy Spirit commands you to do something, you can think of a hundred things that will go wrong when you obey the Holy Spirit. You know, because if I obey this, but adventure, the wrong things may happen to me. But in this sense, Paul is saying, you go. I've commanded you. I'll take care of the details. But as a pessimist, I'm thinking, oh, how about you? The Holy Spirit did not think about this and the other and the prison top, uh, conditions. Did he think about this, the wardens at the prison that are actually very rough usually? Did he think about that and the other? Yes, he did. So he just commands. Mine is to obey the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, as a pessimist, you can be able to think about many ways that the Holy Spirit may send you to the wrong place, quote-unquote. You keep on thinking, oh, if I do this, maybe my spouse might leave me. If I do this, maybe my kids will be in trouble. If I did this, my job will be in danger. If I did this, maybe I won't win my parents' approval. You can think of so many things that will go wrong if you obey the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because usually, that voice goes counter-culture against the flesh and the feelings of human beings. And yet, it's a command from God. In fact, right now as I talk, you may be thinking about 10 things God may have told you to do and you have not done, and you're aware why you did not do them. Because they were not really comfortable to do. But it was the voice of the Holy Spirit. Ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't matter what. I know in my life I have come to believe that when God is all I have, God is all I need. When God is all I have, God is all I need. The flesh may kick, may shout, but when God is all I have, God is all I need. Obeying the Holy Spirit, that's all I need. It's about time I did that more and more. Friends, it's surprising that while we struggle to obey the Holy Spirit, animals don't struggle to obey their masters. Listen to this story. A man who was uh, having a conversation with a friend told his friend about his dog who died in a forest fire. Why did the dog die? The man was very heartbroken when he was explaining this. 
He said, I left my animal right here, my dog, in this open space as I went deeper into the forest. And I told my dog, commanded my dog, watch over my lunch bucket while I'm in the forest. I'll come back. Watch over my lunch bucket. And the dog obeyed. Except that a few minutes later, there was a forest fire that broke. Guess what? The friend was telling his friend, when the fire started in the woods, the dog did not move. He stayed right where I left him. Right there, in perfect obedience to the master, that's me. And with tears in his eyes, he said, I always had to be careful whatever I told him. Because I knew he would always do it. The dog obeyed the master. Dogs obey their master. But watch this, actually, if you want to see it in pictures. Some of you learn better when you see or hear. Let's watch that, if Zande can get, get there. A little bigger. Okay. Were you white right there? Right, just white. Just a little. A little closer. A little closer. Now back up. Back. 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 problem obeying the master at all, whatever the instruction was given. Just exact, precise obedience to that. But it's not just dogs. Even horses obey their masters. In fact, it's the story goes of Arabian horses that go through very rigorous training for, for them to survive in the forest so that their masters can survive in the, in, in the desert, actually. So they train quite rigorously and they test them to see if they're completely in obedience to their training. The final test of the training for horses in the desert is that they are kept without water for so long, very long, for many days. And then they are turned loose to where there's a water source. And then when they're just about to plunge in and drink the water, they are told, stop! And the horse that has been going through training well is supposed to stop. In fact, they graduate them based on that final test. All the horses that stopped at the word stop graduate to the next level. Now they become good horses in the desert. But those that plunge in a little bit and licked a little bit, they are told, no, more, training, more rigorous training is coming. But they do stop. They don't drink until they are allowed to drink. Brothers and sisters, what I'm trying to say here that animals obey their masters. How much more me, who has been given grace by the Lord Jesus Christ to identify and know the voice of God, I'm expected to obey. It's one 
more chance for me to obey the Holy Spirit. So it's time I became more obedient to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So I want to invite you in this new beginning, this journey, that you become a man or a woman who is more inclined to obey the voice of the Holy Spirit because he actually speaks. He does speak. You and I know that. He speaks in many ways, through circumstances, through the Bible, through your friends, through your small group fellowship, sometimes in a matato using a very secular song. Have you heard that sometimes? God speaks through a secular song. Yeah, he, he, he could do that. But do we obey? I want to invite you to be singing that hymn, I Surrender All, with confidence, because you have surrendered. Not to sing the version that I used to sing sometimes when I was not very obedient to things that God had told me to do. I would rather sing, I surrender some. Some to Jesus, some to my worldly pleasures and, 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 in, and inclination. Some to Jesus and others to my friends. I surrender some. Of course, in my mind, not, not loudly. So I want to invite you this year to totally obey the Holy Spirit so that when we sing that hymn, and I think we're going to sing it someday, not today, you'll be singing with confidence, I surrender all, because you obeyed the, vo the voice of the Holy Spirit. So it's time we obeyed the Holy Spirit. But a question went through my mind as I looked at what Paul went through, saying, I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. Suppose Paul did not go. We would be reading the scriptures reasons why Paul did not go to Jerusalem, right? So I wondered aloud to myself, look, what are some of the things that hinder me from obeying the voice of the Holy Spirit? So what, what are the things that hinder you from obeying this voice that we all know speaks to us every so often? So I listed a few. Please allow me to list a few. And if you identify with any, that will be a point to take home this morning. This is what you cling to. I want to get off this so that I can obey the Holy Spirit. So the first of those, and it's obvious as soon as you see it. Can we say it loudly? Sin of disobedience. It goes without saying that we hear the Spirit and then we calculate whether it will be risky or not. We even balance the checkbook so that we, I mean, we want to obey in our finances, but you have to balance, will I survive if I do this financially? We, we sometimes sin by disobeying the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a story that goes this way. A man lived in a country where they were told, don't eat porcupine, full stop. That was the law in the land. Don't eat Porcupine. But one day his friend met him hunting and said, hey, hello, you seem to be busy hunting. Say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to get some meal for my family. But I realize this area has a lot more porcupines than we care to know. So his friend told him, don't you remember the law in the land that says don't eat porcupine? The friend told him, yeah, I know, the law says don't eat. The law did not say don't hunt. Hours later, he actually caught porcupine. His friend asked him, you caught porcupine? So, oh, yeah. You don't remember the law? I remember. The law says, don't eat. It does not say, don't kill. So I killed. Hours later, of course, goes without saying, the friend met him roasting porcupine. Say, you're barbecuing po po porcupine. Say, yeah. Don't you remember the law? I remember. The law says, don't eat. The law did not say, don't roast, don't barbecue. A couple of minutes later, the friend saw him tasting a piece, a chunk of it. Say, you are eating porcupine. Say, no. The law says don't eat. The law did not say don't taste. Hours later, he tasted several times until there was no more porcupine left. He tasted to the end. Friends, sin of disobedience sometimes is like that. One little step at a time. Hunting, killing it because you found it, roasting, of course, a few minutes later, tasting, and years later, not just tasting, you are in for the whole thing. Sin of disobedience is tricky. 
And I think when you cross the first threshold of that line of disobedience, it's a lot easier to cross the next and the next and the next. And I don't have too much time to talk, tell you about examples, but I will, I will dare say this. I know that when I was in college, I don't know how about you, it could be many years back for some of you, the main question we used to ask those who came to talk to us on discipleship, we used to ask, how close can I get to my girlfriend? Th that was my time. These days I don't know what you ask. How close? Because I needed the answer really bad because, you know, I was like 21, 22, you know, you know what I mean. It's everything suggests I need to get close. At 21 especially, for me. So how close can I get to my girlfriend? That was the question then. But of course, the answers were not very good for me because they were suggesting a long distance away those days. Very long, so I wasn't happy with them. In our days, and my wife is here to bear me witness, we're not even allowed to, sh to shake hands, leave alone hug. So those guys were, they were like terrors for us. They were terrorizing us. No shaking hands, no hugging. Remember my question? How close? But now if there's no shaking hands, there's no hugging. Now, do I need to ask the question? But I kept asking. We kept asking that question because we wanted to get close. Now, many years later, I now realize what they were trying to help us with, to kill off this sin of disobedience from us as, at that early age. We tried. I can, I can tell you, we tried. We tried, really. We really tried. We tried. So it's time I obeyed the Holy Spirit more, even by asking that question, some of you, how close can I get? But there's a second thing. People around us, the company we keep, you know, sometimes you are convinced, you are convicted. The Spirit has spoken. You read it underlined in your Bible or in your, in your, in your, in your, in your other software, whatever you're using, and you completely know this is God's voice. I'm going to do it. But then the friend says something different. And because you know you can't just quit the friendship because of, of what, whatever the Spirit has told you, you rather hang out with friends in disobedience because friends matter to you and to me, don't they? And lately, I'm discovering that friendship is not just about the things we say. It's also things that we do. And the latest in town, latest as the latest last 15 years, is chamas. Chamas are groups that come together to raise money to big, do a big project, right? And sometimes the projects that chamas suggest you do are not in line with the spirit's conviction in your heart. But because you're one of the members of the Chama, what do you do? You follow the Chama. You know, because anyway, I've invested for so long. How can I just pull out now? I'm going to do what they're doing. Plus, I'm not the chairman, so I'm kind of safe. Ladies and gentlemen, you've got to obey the Holy Spirit. Even when it comes to friends around about you. You know, actually, when I wrote my notes here, I say to myself, look, there are some friends you need to shed off this year. Shed off. Of course, the names are not clear in my mind right now. But if they get clear, I will shed them off. I got to shed them off because the company I keep with them, the more I get in that company, and I'm sure my wife's wondering now who are those, the more I disobey the Holy Spirit. I want to shed off. I'll give you one category of friends. It's a group. It's not a person in mind. They like to talk politics every time we meet. And they know every single thing going wrong and every single way that it could go right, except that they are not the leaders at that time. So in that discussion, we... We, we cut to pieces wherever the leader is in that discussion. I'm thinking, uh, I need to shed off. Either I shed off the friends or kill the topics. The easier for me is to shed off. Because the topic is so nice for them, I don't want to be the spoiler. So 
I think even for you, if you have to obey the Holy Spirit this, this year, this season, it's time you shed off some of your friends. I suggest to you some of them are your aunties. Some of, you are, some of them are actually your, your, your parents. Oh, well, shedding off your parents, you can't. Shed off the discussion. Some of them are actually your office mates. And you know what you talk about or what you do together. It's about time you obey the Holy Spirit. But thirdly, and this is probably why I needed to talk this morning. Unfamiliarity with the voice of God. Would you believe that can be a hindrance to obeying the voice of God? You're un totally unfamiliar with his voice. The story of Samuel and Eli is so true. That Samuel got a call from God. God spoke to him three times over. And let's look at that text actually. First Samuel chapter 3 verse 1 to 10. So meanwhile... The boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli, the priest. And now in those days, please note, messages from the Lord were very rare. And visions were quite uncommon. So one night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Then suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel! Yes? The boy replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again. Samuel. Again Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I did not call you, my son. Eli said, go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he, never, he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time. And one more time, Samuel got up, went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls, remember he's not saying if God calls. If someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And verse 10. And the Lord came and called as before, this time twice, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Friends, if you are unfamiliar with the voice of God, look at how gracious God is. He called three times. I would say four times because the third time he called twice. Four times just to kind of get the wax out of the ear so you can hear. It's very gracious. But if you're totally unfamiliar, it could even call even ten times, you would not get to understand that's God. I wonder how many of us are going through a season like this, where God's voice is not familiar. He may be calling, he's knocking, but you're not familiar, so you're not responding. Because something happened with your relationship with God, blocking that familiarity that you used to have. So you're not hearing anymore. No wonder... You're wondering why people are excited about church. But some of you, of course, everybody who is here is excited about church. And I'm glad you came. But sometimes you wonder, why are they excited about church? Because you don't get it. It's, I'll call it, a very unfortunate situation. To be unfamiliar with, your vo with the voice of your father. I don't know whether any of you at any time will confuse the voice of your loved one in a crowd. Would you? Even if they are identical twins, somehow you'll get to know this one is so-and-so, the other one is so-and-so. Now, if we know that that well, and we are unfamiliar with God's voice, then something needs to change, isn't it? So it's time something changed. At least for me, I know that needs to change, to be more familiar 
with the voice of God. And I made a commitment. I want to listen more. I want to listen better. So don't be caught in that station where you are unfamiliar with his voice. And if you are single and wondering whether God has been speaking to a man, don't wonder anymore. Because the same Lord who spoke to a man about you should speak to you about the man. So when he shows up, say, you know, the Lord has been telling me, that's the line we used to use in college, by the way. So I'm, I'm speaking to myself. You know, the Lord has impressed upon my heart to come and tell you how much so, and we used to add so because so is kind of cool, how much so I love you. So first is the Lord, right? Then my heart, then how much so I love you. So some ladies were smart. They tell us, okay, even me, I need to go and watch and pray. Then the Lord will also speak to me. We'll take that to mean she's saying yes, but reluctantly. So we are waiting for the full yes. Of course, many times it was a no, so you, you can tell. Many times it was a no. So in other words, let the Lord speak to you about the man because the Lord has spoken to him about you. God knows his name, so let the Lord tell you. He will tell you. Or this guy who comes with a business plan that you need to do together, a joint business venture, and there are many in town. They want your money in so they can do business together. The Lord has spoken to them. Allow yourself also to hear from God about this business venture. Because also God will speak to you before you commit. Whether it's quill business or not, I mean, you know, whatever business. Figure out from the Lord as well. But the fourth one is, 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 is a daily thing. Oh, let me tell you a story first. I have I life stories. A friend of mine was telling me last week how their daughter went to, to university out of, out of the country, and they have been Skyping with the daughter, I mean, as a family. The Skype, and they put the Skype, the, 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 the laptop on the speaker or something so everybody can hear. So everybody's hearing and everybody's talking. But he told me the interesting thing that the dog in the house knows this also. When the dog hears the voice of the lady across the seas, the dog, the dog kind of wags the tail knowingly. I know that voice, you know. The dog comes closer to the laptop almost to say, I also want to talk. <laughs> the dog is familiar with the voice of this girl who is across the seas. I don't want to be beaten by dogs on this one. I want to, I want to, it's time. My ears heard the voice of the Lord. It's about time. So prayerlessness is the fourth one, second last. You know, God, God speaks in many ways, but more often than not, he speaks to us when we're in a mood or moment of prayer. Many of, more often than not. But if I have a habit of prayerlessness, then I'm missing out on something. God speaking to me, me hearing his voice. So actually, I came to tell you this morning, it's about time we kicked all out prayerlessness from our lives. He will hear his voice a lot more. Fifth and last, and this is a whole sentence. Please let's read it together. The fear that God might make me do what I really don't want to do. Because that fear is there. If you remember Jonah's story, you know what I'm talking about. Go to Nineveh. Say, Lord, you know them. Yeah, but go to Nineveh. Oh, if you know the story of Moses, go tell that Pharaoh, let my people go. I mean, God, you mean Pharaoh? The beast? I'm not going, but go tell Pharaoh. You know, the fear that God might tell you to do things that you don't want to do. Remember the 12 disciples? They're told, go and cast demons. Now, demons, Lord? Let me call the pastor to do that. I don't want to do that. 
God might just ask me to do the things I don't want to do. Or the missionaries that came to Africa, you remember? Some of them packed their belongings in coffins because they knew they would not go back to their hometowns because malaria was killing them left, right, and center. But they still came. So you think, God, you might send me like those missionaries. I don't want. I don't want to hear that. I don't want. Because really, it's not really what I want to do. But maybe yours is not those big things like casting demons or going to a place that's risky. It could be kawaida, day-to-day things. Let me mention a few. Maybe you fear that God may ask you to marry a weird person. <laughs> you know, this is, you know, my wife told me this story about Jill Briscoe. I think you remember the story. We used to pray, Lord, please, I need a man now. But he said, but Lord, I know you might just send a hunchback man and then you say, here, marry. I don't want that, Lord. You know, you fear. So, Lord, instead of me listening to you, sending me to a man, I'll just take one. I'll just grab one. Because I know you might just send me a weird person to marry. You know. Or it could be that, quit your current job now. But the Lord is not telling you where, which place next. Does he say usually? More often than no, he doesn't say. So you're fearing. You'll tell me, quit this job. But I know, Lord, as usual, I know you won't tell me where next. So I better not be obeying you. I'll be doing something on the sides. I'm not quitting yet. But he has told you before. Or maybe give money, a lot of money. But sometimes God even says specific figures. Give this money to this ministry. Say, Lord, are you thinking about college that's coming for my kids? Are you aware about my auntie that needs surgery? And this and the other. So you're lecturing God. So it could be day-to-day things like that. Or he's telling you, quit this relationship. It's going to kill you, literally. Literally. Quit. They're saying, but Lord, I, like young people say, hey, how now? <laughs> I quit, then how now? How do I survive? Because this, this is my lifeline. But the word is quit the relationship now without fear. So don't fear. When the Lord says it, there is a good reason for now and for eternity why he's saying it. Th- that's usually my standard expectation. There's a reason for now, which is I'm going to, something I'm going to enjoy, but much better for eternity's sake. So I better be doing it. But fear can grip you and give you a chance to be disobedient. So friends, when God is all you have, guess what? You will soon realize he is all you need. So just obey. It's time. Just obey. Obey the Holy Spirit. Let nothing hinder you at all. And there are many we could talk about, but let nothing hinder you. Listen to this. First Samuel 15, and that's my last verse before we close for a moment of prayer. Chapter 15, 1 Samuel, verse 22. But Samuel replied, What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. In fact, when this text was written, I think it was thinking about Africans. And stubbornness as bad as worshipping idols. Now, that's for the Asians. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. I don't want to be in that state. None of us want to be in that state. So it's time to obey the Holy Spirit, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to obey. 
Sin, disobedience, let's kick it out. Prayerlessness, let's kick it out. Fear, let's kick it out. Bad company, let's shed off. But be careful. Be careful when you're shedding off. Be sure you're shedding off. So I want to end here this morning. And I promised you we end at 11.30. What time is it in your watch? 11.30 now? 11.29. I have a minute for prayer. It's 11.29. And I want to pray for us. And I'm praying for myself too. You must have identified out of the five, there could be just be one that really is your issue with God. Just could be one. Okay? I know it's in your notebook somewhere. You can just highlight it, write it down. Your neighbor won't worry about what you're writing because everybody anyway is writing something. So just pick out that one. Which one of the five is your issue? Don't pick two. That's too much for the day. Just one. What is your issue about obedience to the Holy Spirit? That one. Okay? You got it? Got it? Shall we pray together? So Father, you send the prophet Samuel to go and talk to Saul about disobedience to the Holy Spirit, which you said is equivalent to the sin of witchcraft or even that rebellion equivalent to the sin of worshipping of the idols. But this morning, Father, we dare come before you in obedience, but first and foremost in repentance for the things we have done not to obey your Holy Spirit, which is really your word for us, your constitution, your strategic plan for us, your goodwill for us, your grace extended for us. And yet, Father, sometimes we have become so unfamiliar with that. And yet, it's ours. It's ours to enjoy. I want to pray this morning, Father, that you may forgive us. Forgive every single one of us of anything that has hindered us from getting closer to you. And now it's time that we got closer to you. Father, we want to kick out the sense of disobedience that could be weighing us down. Every weight that could so easily entangle or shipwreck our faith. We want to say no in the name of Jesus. We want to pray, Father, that our, 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 our company that has corrupted our morals, we want to shed off even illicit kind of relationship that make us not come closer to you. Father, we shed off now in the name of Jesus. We know it's not by might, but by your spirit. So may your spirit come down in a special way right now to our space and completely help us get rid of this bad company. Father, we pray that we will completely not fear when we come before you because you have said in your word, Father, that you love us so much that you gave your son to die for us. So why should we fear when you speak to us? We want to come before you with confidence and find grace in every single time of need. And this is the time, Father, we come before you. We receive us the way we have come and completely read us off these things that weigh us down in the name of Jesus. But Lord, I want to pray specifically if there could be anyone in this congregation, Heavenly Father, who has never made us that entry point commitment to receive you as Lord and Savior. And yet you have spoken so clearly that you, they need to get to you now in obedience to your word. Lord, convict them right now of sin, convict them of judgment, convict them of righteousness so that they may come before you today because the door is open for them. It's theirs to take. Lord, convict them. Convict them. And so I may ask, maybe there are some of you here who need to make that first step to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. Just, you could put up your hand. It's my real pleasure to pray with you. Or you used to be, then you went back. But now, the Lord is saying, it's time. You're coming back. Coming back home. This is where you belong. Anybody in those categories, please, I'll, I'll pray for you right now. 
boldly, just put up your hand, then you can put it down. Anyone? In this sanctuary this morning, you want to make a commitment to Jesus or a recommitment to Jesus. Are you there? Waiting a few more seconds. Anyone? Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Recommitment to Jesus or first time coming to the Lord. Anyone? Father, we want to pray for our sister who has boldly made this commitment. She wants to recommit to you because she's tired of the previous and the past is now behind her. The new has come. And behold, we pray that you may receive her just as she is. And Father, because it's your nature to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, we will do that to her today. That leaving this place the 2nd of February, she will not be the same again. She'll be a different person. And Father, the way forward is you have committed to walk with her every single day at a time. That the past will not haunt her at all. Instead, the future before her will be so clear that things of the past will become pale in the presence of the new things that you're doing. Behold, you are doing new things in her life for the sake of of eternity. Father, we thank you. We bless you. And Father, for all of us, Father, as we, as, we, as we deal with these things that we have written down that could be weighing us or hindering us from obeying you, Father, would you just bless us amazingly, abundantly, more than we can even be able to pray or imagine. For this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.